everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix, and today we're looking at a movie called Witch House 3, or Witch House 3 Demon Fire, or Demon Fire. All of these were used on the case and in the movie itself, so I'm going to use all of them in the review, who knows. And before you go scrambling to find my reviews for Witch House 1 and 2, I haven't reviewed those yet. I stumbled across this DVD in my usual way of just looking through eBay when bored, and bought it before I realised that underneath where it said Demon Fire, it actually said Witch House 3. So I have Witch House 1 and 2 on the way, and we'll just assume that this movie is pretty much a standalone. It doesn't seem to carry over anything from other movies. All the characters seem to be new and recently introduced, and the plot is fairly simple, so we'll be fine. We'll just look back on these days fondly when we actually get around to reviewing the first two movies. In addition to having three titles, this also has three release dates. Some sources online put it at 1999, some at 2001. The DVD release was 2006, so I'm just going to go with the earliest date because when I watched it, it did, it looked very 90s. Let's just leave it at that. Now, I watched this the day after I watched The um, Curse of the Witching Tree. You could not find two more different movies, and I honestly, even though this one I wouldn't say is any better, would say I preferred Witch House 3, simply because it kind of seems to know what it is. There is some of that kind of zany 90s horrorishness to it, it kind of reminded me of um, The Mummy, weirdly, just just in terms of like mixing that like comedy and, and action, and it was just very silly. And it also reminded me of the weird semi-pornographic stripper movie, which I've completely forgotten the name of. Was it like Witch's Sabbath? I feel like it was Witch's Sabbath. It kind of reminded me of that as well, because there was one moment when I was like, oh, hang on a minute, what direction is this movie going in? But there we go, we'll get into the plot and, and you'll see what I mean. But by no means am I saying this is a good movie, but I definitely went ahead and bought the other two while watching it, just because it was kind of fun and stupid to watch. I am, however, going to trigger warn for mentions of domestic abuse and also rape and sexual assault, which debatably is not treated as that in the movie, and we'll see how that's kind of an issue, by which I mean a big fucking issue, by the time we get to that point in the plot. So we start the movie with the good old-fashioned let's copy the craft opening, which I don't even know if this movie came out before or after the craft, but... The craft opening is better, so I'm going to say this one is more derivative, but it's basically, you know, a hand lighting candles, various witchy paraphernalia shown. It looks, at this point, like, you see the quality of the movie, kind of like a bootleg VHS tape. It's very fuzzy, which is weird because a lot of the, like, camera angles and stuff in the film, like, they've got, like, panning shots and, like, shots filmed from overhead. Like, this seems to have had a budget. It's not just filmed on Handycam by their friend Steve. But, it, like, the actual quality in which it's filmed is poor. Uh, so I don't know if that's a stylistic choice or just part of the time period in which it was made. But there we go. We see them setting up, like, candles, a pentacle on the floor etched out in stones, cups. Um, we see someone wearing, like, a long black robe with very trailing sleeves, which is a big no-no for candle safety. They pour blood into a bowl, then there's like cackling, and we see a book of shadows with a really nice leather cover, which has kind of like a raised heart with three swords in it, on it, which uh, is great, and I would like to know where I could buy one. We're then introduced to like our first character, uh, who we later found out is called Annie. She, she's a blonde lady. Uh, she's the only blonde lady in the film, so that's how I kept track of her until we learned her name. 
she's in a car and she has a black eye and we get a sort of flashback moment that shows her arguing with her boyfriend called Burke who is quite a bit older than her like I'd be red flagging this relationship and if it was on reddit but there we go and she is like having an argument with him he's yelling about how she wasn't home when he got home and he expects her to be there when he gets home you know typically kind of abusive boyfriend stuff and then he punches her in the eye and leaves so she has obviously gotten the fuck out of there she's in her car now elsewhere with her bruise she puts her sunglasses on and goes into a creepy looking house she lets herself in and calls out like hello is anybody home and we keep cutting back to this person like they have their back to us and they're wearing like a long black robe they're sitting doing a ritual and when annie approaches her from behind she whirls around and she's wearing like very silly kind of halloween makeup and has like these big fake teeth in and she's like oh my god annie and she pulls her fake teeth out and this is stevie who is kind of a goth like she wears like black lipstick she's one of them kind of grungy goth like kind of like nancy from the craft but she is there filming this scene with rose another character on the camera because she's filming a documentary about witchcraft and this is like her intro or just like a dramatic thing to put into the documentary so they're all catching up because apparently annie's been away for a while and like has been off with Burke and it seems like he's kind of separated her from her friends again big red flags and Stevie gets her to take the sunglasses off discovers the bruise and instantly says you know Annie you have to stay here with us like don't go back there and Annie has already like packed up all her shit so she's moving in and she doesn't want to go to the police which is fair like you know I can understand why she wouldn't want to put herself through that so sh she's now moving in with these girls we then come back to what Burke's doing. He arrives home and sees that the house hasn't been tidied up. Also, the TV is on and just showing a bunch of static. Uh, and there is written on the mirror in what I presume is the bedroom, witches burn with an exclamation mark in lipstick. And he just kind of looks at it like, what the hell? Uh, this is explained later on in the movie, but it did puzzle me for quite a while. That why would this message be here? The girls then get drunk and party in the hot tub, which is the point at which I was like, Jesus Christ, what kind of movie am I watching here? Where people just like hopping in the hot tub together, but it, it's fine. They do do some like weird humour where she's like pointing at glass and is like, this level is for when you get served with the divorce papers. This level is for when you catch your boyfriend in your underwear. And it's like, this seems like a, a weird thing that isn't very funny. Why is it in the movie? go rose then explains to annie that stevie is interested in witchcraft uh, she's making the documentary about it and wants to like talk to real witches and things like that uh, they talk a little bit about broomsticks and flying ointment and how those may have been used i was again wondering what kind of movie i was watching but don't worry it doesn't go in the direction you would hope it wouldn't they then like leave the hot tub and crash out indoors really drunk um all the candles are still lit so again not a good movie for fire safety but then stevie reveals that she plans to visit some sort of wiccan convention and she does say wiccan uh to get interviews with actual witches and annie asks like why do people believe in this stuff and stevie says something quite interesting which is like that that's what she wants to know she wants to know why people would believe in this stuff when they know that like real magic isn't real so like if you can't turn someone into a toad what is the point and that's the question she wants to answer why are people still so fascinated with this which is like an interesting goal and i kind of liked the whole 
framing of this moment because she inevitably then suggests that they try and do a spell to see you know what the big fuss is and this provides a great reason like if they'd just been like drunk and messing around and she's like hey let's do a spell i feel like i would have believed that less but with the justification of them filming this documentary it kind of made sense that she would have this to try so they decide to see what all the fuss is about and we'll also tape this to use as part of the documentary so they set up their camera Annie is kind of worried. She's like the naysayer in the group at the moment. And she worries that something evil is going to happen. How do they know what to do? And Stevie produces the, the book with the heart on the cover and says that it's an antique book that she got from like a dealer friend. So um, they're going to do it like from this book and it will be fine. So they light a white candle, which is apparently their travel candle, which I've never heard of before. But basically just for all of them to focus on during the ritual. And then lights a black one for protection and puts it outside the circle. Um, she tries to calm Annie down by telling her it's just a ritual like communion. Which is kind of a nice way to put it because even with all like the creepy gothy bells and whistles. Essentially a ritual is just that. It's just another ritual. Unfortunately this is immediately undercut by the fact that she's like give unto us. Give unto thee the demons and grant us our heart's desire and various other things that are spooky. The lights kind of go out and they're like, oh, it's a power cut. Let's keep going. I don't know why. Um, so they call upon uh, the sacred name. They're like chanting a lot of things three times. So it's like, I call upon the sacred name. I call upon the sacred name. I speak thy name. And then they say Lilith. Um, I think Lilith is the only link to the other two films in the series. Because when I was watching the trailer um, for the movie... It did have clips from other movies in it, which seemed to have like a similar woman. So I'm guessing Lilith is like the recurring theme, kind of like Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. As soon as they call upon Lilith, however, a load of strobe light starts going. So, I mean, if the film was in higher quality, I would say that this needs an epilepsy warning. But I'm, I'm not entirely sure if it would still trigger epilepsy. I'm not an expert, but be aware there are strobe lights in this scene. In this scene. Another woman appears in their midst who is wearing creepy Halloween witch makeup and a black dress. Uh, she kind of looks like the villain of the week in a very early episode of Charmed. So logically, these three adult women flee the house in their bathing suits and run like out onto the boardwalk and all the way to the beach because of spookiness in the house. At this point, it appears to be daylight. It's hard to tell because everything is so blue and overexposed, like... It, a lot of shots in this are just tinted really odd colors but i swear it's daylight whereas when they were in the hot tub it was dark so is it meant to be like dawn at this point but then they go to sleep and wake up later in the day it's confusing stevie eventually like kind of breaks character and laughs and says that it was a prank that the book isn't like an ancient spell book she got it for like three dollars from a new age store uh, which i kind of liked because i felt like going down the like oh this is a really old book of witchcraft route was a little bit cheesy but they kind of recovered from that and were like oh no it was just stevie messing around the lights thing was probably a power cut and she did it to show the power of suggestion and how even people who don't believe in witchcraft can have experiences which suggest that it is real she also made up the ritual they were doing on the spot apparently just like rhyming stuff and just made it up it's never really said where she gets the name Lilith from, which I think is kind of a big plot hole if this film is meant to be connected to the rest of the series. And also given some stuff that happens later, 
I find it weird that Stevie said Lilith. So keep that in mind. They wake up later that same day or the next day. Time is weird. And they appear to have slept in their bathing suits on the wooden floor instead of presumably in beds. Which is really weird. Like, maybe I would buy Annie having to sleep on the floor if she's, like, their guest. Although they do have a couch. But the other two ostensibly live together. So why don't they have beds? Why do they sleep on the floor? Because they're drunk. I've been drunk. I still slept in a bed. Stevie says that she doesn't really want to look at last night's footage. Uh, but Rose does. She kind of wants to see if any of the creepy stuff they apparently saw uh, when they finished the ritual was real. I don't know how much of, like, the strobing lights of the woman there we're meant to take as being real. Uh, because that's not what we see later when we actually do look at the footage. So there we go. Rose then goes to have a shower and she gets out of it like, oh, I'm so refreshed, but wearing a full face of real vampy makeup. Like she's got uh, one of them very 90s eye socket full of smoky eye, red lips. She's got like the stripe of contouring up her face, uh, but, but she's just had a shower. <laughs> apparently. And then while she brushes her teeth, the witch appears inside the shower, but behind the frosted glass, then disappears and then reappears again just to go grr against the glass. So that's creepy, I guess. Annie and Stevie then go to film the, the witch convention because I assume Rose is too drunk or hungover to, to go and be camera woman. You don't see any of those interviews. I guess they couldn't afford another person. That uh, They come back to the house and Stevie still doesn't want to check the footage when Annie asks, but she says that they need to look over the interviews they just did, and she goes into a different room while Rose and Annie look over, like, that footage. But she's partially taped over what they did the night before, so when that footage ends, they, they do see the end of the ritual. And they see, like, kind of... I kind of thought this was kind of well done. There's, like, a ghostly woman over the top, like moving as if they've kind of taped over an old episode of EastEnders and you can still sort of see Pat Butcher there which was just kind of a nice 90s-ish thing like it kind of made me remember like VHS tapes and made me feel a bit nostalgic. Uh, Rose and Annie kind of panic that there's this weird spirit on the tape but Stevie is very quick to say exactly what I just did minus Pat Butcher that it's just like a ghost on the film or just a fuck up on the camera it's one of those things. At this point, Annie still hasn't been told that it was a prank. Only Rose was there for Stevie's confession, but I don't know how Annie, like, would handle knowing that it was a prank. <laughs> because she seems, like, real believing in this stuff. When they go out into the kitchen, Witch's Burn has been written on the wall, but, like, really low down the wall. Like, the height you put a dog door. I don't know why that bothered me. Why, like, it wasn't at, like, head height where you'd write if you were standing. But... There we go. Annie then freaks out and Rose accuses Stevie of messing with them again. So Stevie decides to clean the mess up with headphones on while the witch creeps around behind her. And then the blood writing like comes back as soon as she's washed it up because she turns around and it's, it's there again. That night the witch stands over Rosie while she's asleep and does like weird wiggly snake arms like that's scary. Rose wakes up and somehow gets scared by this and throws her entire duvet over the witch and makes a run for it, which is like, you know, smart move. Uh, she runs into Stevie in the kitchen. Stevie gets a knife and goes to confront the intruder because she's a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. And Rose backs her up with a bat, so they have the weapons. Uh, but they find nothing in the room. Annie then comes in just in, like, 
a little Snoopy t-shirt and pants. There's like various moments in this movie where you just like see them naked or just like they come around in skimpy outfits and I'm just kind of thinking like what were you intending this movie to be? Is it just meant to be like a TNA fest? Because it doesn't have enough of either of those things to qualify but it has too much of those things just to be a normal movie. It, it kind of straddles the, uh, I'm not going to say it straddles the line, that sounds weird. It doesn't know what it wants to be, let's leave it at that. They hear a scratching in the ceiling, assume it's a raccoon, and say they're going to call pest control tomorrow, but nothing ever comes of this. Rose then says she has to go into her office early in the morning. Unclear what her fucking job is, because she's just in this office alone, but in her own like little glass-windowed office, so presumably she's quite successful. Unclear. She's typing away, and then suddenly the power goes, and I presume she lost her entire Windows 95 document. But then she sees the reflection of the witch in the screen, and the witch says, don't turn around. And they said some cryptic shit, like, I'm here to punish bad girls who play with fire, and witches burn. So, that seems weird. It's like, why would they be punished by this sort of witchy lady for doing a ritual to her? But there we go. Annie and Stevie then go looking for more witches to interview. Unclear how they think they're going to do this. They're just driving around looking out the window. But Stevie sees, you know, evil Lilith. I keep calling her the witch because that's what she looks like. But evil Lilith just sort of walking along the pavement. She insists that Annie pull the car over, even though Annie can't see Lilith. And then Stevie chases Lilith into a parking garage, at which point the witch turns off all the lights, flicks on a smoke machine and jumps out behind her like, rawr. Uh, she says that she's been waiting and watching them for a long time and you're the one who started the fire and various things like that. So I guess Stevie has some sort of secret. At home, Stevie tries to convince the other two that she actually believes in the stuff now and it's real. But the other two have flipped over to the skeptic side of things and don't want to believe anymore. But Stevie says basically it's perception versus reality and that because they intended to do witchcraft, because they believed in it so much, they've somehow made it real and it worked. Uh, Rose is really doubtful here and she thinks it was Burke who attacked her in the night, dressed as a witch for some reason, although how Burke knows that Annie's there is beyond me. He also turns up briefly when they're interviewing witches on the first day, like you just see him in a hedge. But I don't know how he would know to go to the weird convention center where they go because they don't go in annie's car i don't think so unless he just followed her to the house but then he couldn't have because he came home after she did it makes no sense but there you go rose then decides to go for a good old-fashioned braless run on the beach because why not but she's wearing like head to toe black and it does look very sunny so questionable choice but she gets attacked by a guy he like tackles her to the ground and it's book uh, she beats him up uh, every time someone hits someone in this movie, there's like a comedy thwack noise, which is kind of funny. Um, but he then says, like, I wasn't trying to hurt you after he tackles her to the ground. Why? But he says, I've got to tell you something about Annie. And then he says that he found Annie doing something weird. And we get a little flashback to like show us what he's telling us. Um that she was basically doing Lady Macbeth clown makeup in front of the mirror, like drawing a really big red mouth on, but also she had like red on her cheeks. And she also wrote witches burn on the mirror in lipstick. So that's how that got there. 
and she couldn't recognize Stevie or Rose in a photograph because she like showed it to him and is like who are these people um so that's weird and she also trashed their bedroom and left the tv on static which was why it was like that earlier so he thinks Annie should be in hospital and is like oh I'm really worried about Annie now here's the point I think the movie kind of did a little bit of a misstep because we see the flashback of Annie being punched in the face by Burke when she's alone in the car so because she's alone she's remembering that for herself as opposed to here where Burke is talking to someone and we see a visual representation of what he's saying like the story that he's telling I think for the plot of the movie to work Annie really should have been talking to the other girls when she had her flashback because that implies that that's what she's telling them and that it may or may not be true whereas if she remembers it by herself the kind of message to the audience is that she's remembering something that actually happened to her and therefore it's true so these two things are not created equally and as we see later on in the movie she's a big fat liar Burke goes home and he gets trapped in his car by Lilith who now has the camcorder somehow she's like filming him through the window and shining the art like the light from the little videoing lamp in his face and he's like oh no stop it bright light so at least we know he's not a moth um he like tries to climb all over the seats to get away and it's just like it's just a torch what are you doing he acts like he's already being trapped and gassed in the car before any gas comes in so that the, the car fogs up and he chokes to death and slumps over the steering wheel but he's panicking like way before that happens so that's weird rose arrives home and finds a post-it note on the tv that says play me so she plays what's in there uh, annie has arrived in a sort of low-cut red top which is what people wear when they're about to go evil she's also wearing a lot more lipstick so i'm calling that annie's evil here but they play the tape and it's Burke's death, which has somehow gotten from the camcorder to the TV really fast, as we'll see in a moment. Annie runs out, it frightened, and she does like the hundred yard dash down to the beach so that she can throw up. Like there was nowhere in the house where she could have done that, aka the turlet. Rose catches up to her and says, only Stevie knows how to work the camera. So she must have killed Burke, which is just the weakest logic I've ever heard in my life. Although it is the 1990s, so maybe only one person you know does know how to work a camera. But I call bullshit. Then Rose goes back to the house to get her car keys so they can escape from Stevie, who they presume now is a murderer. But she gets grabbed by Lilith inside. Annie then sees Stevie returning to the house from her jog. So somehow, Stevie went out for a jog, met Burke... And then Burke went home, got murdered, and then the tape somehow from that camera got to their house. They watched it, they ran outside and had a conversation, all in the time it took Stevie to return from the house. Where did she go on her jog? Mars? Anywho, Annie goes back to the house because she sees Stevie going in there. Annie then hears muffled crying from upstairs and finds Stevie holding Rose's bloody body. And I think this is a, a really good moment because Rose isn't just like lying there with like blood trickling out the side of her mouth or like in a pool of blood on the floor. There's like blood smeared over her arms, her face, her clothes. She looks like she went down swinging, like an actual murder victim. And it looks like uh, um, Stevie has been like holding her and like shaking her and smearing the blood around. So that actually looks really realistic and is kind of a good kind of sad moment and i think the acting in this movie is pretty good for the most part so it comes across really well annie then accuses stevie of murdering rose and burke 
um, even though Burke somehow got home before Stevie, so how was she meant to like catch up with him and murder him and then come back? She she didn't go jogging with her car, because that's called driving. Annie then pushes play on the video, and it shows a video of Rose's murder now. Um, but Annie then does an evil chuckle, because she's wearing lipstick on a low-cut red top, so now she's the devil. Uh, and the camera in the video pans up, and we see that it's being held by Annie, who is videotaping herself in a mirror. She then says something really weird, which is, I'm not your Annie, which to me suggested she was possessed, but everything we're told later contradicts this. Um, and she says, you kicked Burke in the crotch for nothing. He was telling the truth. I don't know how she knows that that happened, because she wasn't there on the beach. But maybe she's also psychic. We don't know. Annie then says that Annie was the easiest way in. So again, that's like possession. And Stevie's all like, why are you doing this? And Annie's like, why cast spells on a stormy night and ask for power if you can't pay the price? Um, which would make sense if they had actually done the spell on a stormy night, but they didn't. They heard a storm while they were doing it, but then when they went outside, the weather was clear. So that was a product of whatever magic they were doing. Um, so that's weird. Also, how would Lilith know that they were going to do that spell or that Annie was going to meet up with them? This seems to be an entirely different plotline from what we're told later. Because then Annie says she's doing it because Stevie and Rose both slept with Burke. So this is like a vengeance thing. Um, but then we see a flashback. And this is what the trigger warning was for. Because Burke is barely awake. He's very drunk. Clearly, like, there's bottles everywhere. His head is like rolling backwards and forwards. He's even like pushing them away as they're like climbing on top of him. So it seems pretty clear from this scene that Stevie and Rose sexually assaulted Burke. Which really makes him the tragic hero of this story. Because given what Annie's telling us here, the whole like Burke punching her in the face thing didn't really happen because he showed up and he was all concerned boyfriend man. So that made me really confused because obviously we had that thing as like a memory of hers saying it did happen. But, and also she had that black eye, which was like mysteriously gone like the next day. But it's unclear at this point in the movie if that's real or not. But I'm going to assume that he didn't actually punch Annie and that that was just a ruse so that she could come to these guys after being so distant for so long and infiltrate them to get her revenge. She then says like, how could you take Burke away from me? Why would you do that? I had to punish all of you. Which to me says that she doesn't view what happened as a sexual assault, which is weird. Why film it that way if you're not going to say that it is? Because if there was a woman in that scene, you know, barely awake, unable to hold her head up and two guys climbed on top of her, I think we all know what we say that that was. But this film doesn't call it that. Uh, which honestly kind of spoiled the movie for me because I thought at this point there could be like a really neat twist here and she was here to punish these women for being kind of double standards-y because they get telling her to leave her abusive boyfriend when really they're the evil ones, if you see what I mean. But there we go. Um, basically, Stevie says that they wanted Annie back. They didn't want her off with Burke. They wanted her to be their friend. So they thought they could break up their relationship. And Annie says she couldn't forget about it. So she cast a spell, assuming Stevie had used magic to get Burke. She cast a spell to get vengeance. And that's how Lilith has entered the scene. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. Because on the one hand, we're being told she's been possessed by Lilith to enter this group. To kind of guide them to doing magic. To bring Lilith forth so she can kill them. 
But on the other hand, we're hearing all this very personal motive from Annie, who is now saying, like, I and not Annie. So she doesn't seem to be possessed. So there's a lot of things going on in this ending, and at least some of them are from different plots. Stevie then mocks Annie for being weak and not dealing with them directly, like coming around and kicking their asses. Everyone in this scene is mad about the wrong thing, because Annie's mad that her boyfriend cheated on her when he definitely didn't in the flashback we saw. But then there was this weird sound dip, like the movie went completely silent as Stevie tackled Annie onto a sofa. Um, but there you go, they struggle, there's some hair pulling. And then she, Stevie like pulls her hair and is like, say you're sorry for all the murders. And Annie's like, I'm sorry. And it's like, oh, you lost the upper hand here real fast, didn't you? Lilith in the scene just stands behind like a lace curtain watching them. Like she's a hired mercenary who hasn't been given the nod to actually enter the fight yet. It's real weird. Also, why did Lilith kill Burke, but then Annie got her hands dirty killing Rose herself? Makes no sense. Anyway, Stevie beats Annie to death, so if Lilith was there to protect her, she's doing a terrible job. Lilith then approaches Stevie, and Stevie's like, if you're gonna kill me, just do it. And Lilith is like, actually, I have something else in mind for you. I have an offer. So it's obvious that Lilith is now going to be working with Stevie, and I get it, like, she's this kind of weird demonic force in this movie who's just going to use whoever wants to do violence with her. So now she's moving on to Stevie. That makes sense. We then cut to Stevie's documentary conclusion, which she's filming, like, to the camera in the dark, holding a, a candle. And she says, we practice witchcraft because we're afraid of the dark. And no matter how modern we get as a civilization, there will always be darkness, just waiting. Uh, which I kind of liked that, that, that there's a good point there. Uh, and then she says, now I know what witchcraft is, and it starts with fire. And then the movie ends. And I would say that this is a great ending. I love the fact that Stevie gets this power and joins forces with Lilith and her interest in witchcraft is kind of rewarded with real witchcraft in the end. And I would be saying that if she wasn't a fucking rapist. Because she is. And to be honest, I kind of hoped that Annie would stove her head in with a shovel and then she and Lilith would go out for brunch. Because Rose and Stevie are the bad guys in this movie. <laughs> as soon as they show that flashback, they're the bad guys. If they had filmed that completely differently, if they'd filmed it as just like them seducing Burke, but Burke going along with it as like a willing participant, fine, they're all bad. But they didn't do that, and it just comes across as really weird. So that's the movie. Uh, putting aside the whole glaring issue of that, that weird scene, I think it was a fairly good concept. I like the plot of them being infiltrated by Lilith, possessing Annie, the plot of Annie also looking for revenge for infidelity is a good one. It doesn't necessarily fit in with that other plot. So it feels like they've tried to do too many ideas at once and it's gotten a bit confused. Um, but aside from that, it's quite a simple film. And although it's not scary and Lilith is just kind of flitting around like an underpaid Buffy the Vampire Slayer extra, it is still kind of a good watch and kind of amusing and I liked the music, the whole like 90s style of it and the fashions. It, it really reached that part of my brain that was like, hmm, nostalgia, the craft, massaged it gently. So that's probably why I enjoyed it so much. Uh, I also liked like all the ritual setups and things that they did. They looked pretty cool, though obviously you only see that at the beginning of the movie. It's also not that long. It's like 77 minutes, uh, which is just over an hour. So it was, it was quite a quick watch. 
And to be honest, I've seen like low budget um, TNA horror films that did less. So this one gets a pass. It, it was kind of a fun watch, although that was immediately ruined by the ending. So I don't know that I can really recommend it when it doesn't like really handle that whole storyline well at all. Uh, it just became wildly inconsistent. But it was interesting enough and well put together enough that I decided to buy the first two in the series, which I think came out also in the late 90s. So we'll see what those are like when they arrive. Also, if you plan on going to buy a copy of Witch Houses 1 and 2, please be aware that they spell it weird. They don't spell it Witch House. They spell it without a space between it and with only one H. So technically it's Witch House, like it's in Yorkshire. So that made it frustrating to Google. Whoever decision that was, you suck. I hope you've enjoyed this review. If you have any other films that you'd like to recommend me, specifically like these kind of 90s weird horror movies, that seems to be my jam. So get in touch, put them in the comment section on the YouTube version of the podcast or email me or tweet me. I do check those occasionally, not as often as I should, but you know, I'm not a professional. And in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one.